0: This is The MS Show, the podcast for people with multiple sclerosis and their families who want information and inspiration. I'm Bron Webster. I've been living with MS for over 20 years. I'll be sharing with you tips, stories and ways to keep going with MS. Hello and welcome to today's episode and it's one of the episodes in the series that's exploring the people who care or help people with MS. And I'm really pleased that today I'm talking with Graeme and Mariella, who I actually know quite well. So let's get started. Graeme. Hello. Mariella. Hi. Very good to see you today. As for you. So you two, can you tell me a little bit more about how long you've been involved or known somebody that lives with MS?
1: Shall I go first? Um, I suppose I knew about MS and about people with MS when I was at primary school. Um, there's a lady who lived in our village whose son and daughter were at primary school at the same time as me. And we got to know that she had MS when she started to display symptoms. She, she'd had a diagnosis of MS for about 10 years before that happened but she didn't share that with anybody or felt the need to share it with anybody because she was living with it very well. It was relapsing, remitting MS that she had. Um, but then an episode started where she, she couldn't cope with normal day-to-day stuff looking after the children. And it became very apparent that, that she was ill. And she then started to talk to people about it. So I was aware of this lady and and the impact it had on her children from being very, very, very young. Then when I went to university... Uh, one of my close friends was diagnosed with, with MS um, the year that uh, we graduated. And then when I started work, there, there was a number of people that I was aware of who who also had MS in the workplace.
0: Okay. And Mariella, am I the only person that you know with MS?
2: Um, there's you, there's granddad, and then my friends' mums have it too, and you're friends with her. Oh, and also my auntie. Okay.
0: Right, we get that. So, how long, Graham, have you been with someone that you know has MS? And
1: what well, happened?
0: And when did you find out?
1: Um, well, um, I guess when we got together um, about 20 years ago. Um, and I knew that you had MS um, before we started seeing each other. Um, so, yeah, 20 years, I guess. Um
0: and what did you feel at the time when we got together, knowing that I'd got MS, even before I think I told you then?
1: Yeah, I suppose. Well, I suppose I I um, started to become sort of friendly with you work uh, before I knew definitely, but before we were in any sort of relationship. Um, and I just liked you as a person, and we got on really well. And I thought you were funny, and you thought I was funny, I think. Um, and Someone told me, I think it was your boss that told me that that you had MS and he didn't really understand what it was about. And I knew more than he did. So I was able to explain to him all about the condition. Um, So I guess because I'd known people in my life with it um, and I knew it had uncertain outcomes and it can become very problematic. But none of that really phased me. Um, I, I tend not to look too far off into the future, apart from... managing our finances and making sure that we're secure. Um, But I tend not to dwell on what may or may not happen in the future.
0: And Mariella, how old were you? Uh, Obviously, I've known you all your life because you came out of me. I'm your mum. Um, But how old do you think
2: you were when you can remember being told about my MS? About seven, I think. Um, And obviously, when you're very young. You don't really understand. So if you'd like fall in public, it'd be a bit embarrassing. And then when you'd wet yourself, it'll be very funny. Um, And you gave me like books and websites to look at that would help me understand it. And so obviously now I understand it very well and how it can affect you and what to do if you need to nap. And I'll make you... Like a drink, or I'll help make tea, or something like that. Okay, so you've
0: sort of always known it's always been a part of your life. So, tell me more about your life and how you've kind of incorporated my MS or made allowances for it
1: along the way. Um, I suppose one of the one of the big things is um, I've retired early. So I could theoretically have carried on working for quite a few more years. Um, I didn't see really any point in doing that because I thought it was important to spend as much time with you and Mariella, the three of us together as possible because we don't know the outcome of of your disease or how it's going to progress. Um, So I suppose that's the big thing. I've, I've finished work early, earlier than perhaps I would have done otherwise. Um, but then that's a good thing for me. You know, I'm very lucky that we're in a position where we can afford for me to do that. Um, and it's been beneficial because you know, my job was actually quite stressful. I had several hundred people reporting to me at one point. Um, and it was getting to the point in my career I was thinking, well, why am I continuing to do this? So that's that's the real big change I think it's brought about for us.
0: Yeah. And I say, knowing that I was living with MS, has that had an impact on you at
1: work? Um, I don't think so, but I think I, I guess we've made minor adaptations along the way, so I've had to plan around when you're not feeling well. So, for example, part of my uh, job involved travelling uh, abroad um, or travelling down to London, so I would make sure that um, we had care provision or I would not go uh, when you were in particular episodes of, of the disease. So, I had to plan around that. Um, but luckily, I had a job where that was possible. And and they were fairly accommodating because I talked to people about your condition of work, and they were very understanding of the, of the um, adaptations that I had to make around that.
0: Did it impact on your career?
1: I don't believe it's impacted on my career at all. Again, I've been very lucky. I, I used to work in banking and specifically in IT and banking. Um, and I had a job where sometimes I could work from home if I needed to. Um, luckily, with the technology we have these days, has been evidenced during lockdown, lots of people can work at home where they thought they couldn't have done before. So if I needed to be home, I could be. If I needed to be out of the office early, I could be and then come home and, and be with you and then maybe work later on in the evenings. But no, I don't think it has affected my career at all over the past 20 years. Now, Having said that, I think we're very lucky um, that you have had relapsing remitting MS and you've not had really, really severe complications that have impacted you. So I know um, I don't want to appear patronising in this conversation because I know other people are having to deal with much, much worse cases than you've had. And I can imagine how if that was the case, it would have been very, very difficult for me to continue working. Um, so I think, you know, we've been very blessed. With,
0: with my, with, with the severity?
1: Yeah, with both the severity of your condition and the fact that I've had so understanding employers.
0: So Mariella, turning to you, is it affecting your life in any way, having a mummy that's got MS?
2: Um, well, obviously, I wake up very early in the morning, usually around 6.30 to to go to school. And i get on the bus so i have to be taken down to the bus stop which is usually around seven and you're not up by then so daddy has to do it um and also when he was working he'd work until about seven thirty to 8 so i didn't really have like i couldn't really wait that long to have my tea so I had to have a lot of ready meals because you couldn't really manage to cook like proper meals. And then I'd always be doing my homework while daddy's cooking you to a nice meal. But now that he has retired, obviously, we all get to eat together and we get very nice meals and we get meal packages. Um, so I don't have to wait to have nice meals or to just have ready meals but although it does take a while to cook because it usually starts at seven and is ready at eight which I have um inquired to be a bit sooner because for health reasons in general you need to eat uh, about four hours before you go to bed if you don't want like Bad problems with your stomach which does run in the family <laughs> so that's yes. something that we need to do Indeed.
1: so what you say really is perhaps daddy should have been a bit less lazy and cooked some food the night before that you could have had as a nice meal the next day so maybe that's a lesson mm. to learn for everybody because um it's probably Re- a big prepare. thing decent nice food for the children so gen- plant especially when mm-hmm.
0: they're growing yeah and ready meals are not as good as the freshly cooked from the basic ingredients, are they? So, um, so I've been reading about things and I've found some quite interesting figures. And it says that about 22% of UK carers, now we're not using that word, we're using the word helpers. But it says that 22% of carers were not unable to hold down a job because of these responsibilities and a nearly a third had lost a job because of their role as a carer so what you're saying is that you weren't one of those percentage well so,
1: certainly I wasn't but again you know I think that's simply because uh, we've been very lucky um with the, with the sort of level of the condition that you've had I can imagine that if it was worse and I was I was full-time effectively looking after you then it would have been impossible to do the job that I did or possibly work at all. So, you know, my heart goes out to people who are in that situation. And I think we've been very lucky.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So has there been a change in your identity in the relationship, do you think, Graham?
1: Um, since when? At what point do you mean?
0: Just over the years as things have progressed more.
1: Um, I, I don't think I don't like to think that there has been a change. But that's why I like the you know, like the term helper rather than carer um in, in our situation. Um I know once you made a joke to, to one of our friends that, you know, I wasn't your husband, I was your carer, and I got really angry about that because I'm I'm not that's not primarily who I am or what I am. I'm your husband who cares for you and helps you. That's the way I see it. I don't see myself in a carer type Rule or mindset, um, but again, that must be very different for the people who who are dealing with situations much more extreme than ours. Um, so, I no, I don't see, I don't see that my identity has changed. And um, again, I've you know, I've had a very responsible job um, for a lot of years, and that's not really been diminished by your condition over the past twenty years at all. Um, so, no, I I, I don't perceive that there's been a change in, in how we relate to each other necessarily, even though I'm doing more sort of physical caring for you or helping.
0: So what sort of helping are you both doing in, um, in terms of looking after your wife and yeah. your parents? Mariella.
2: Um, so before I've had to wash your hair over the bath, obviously this is quite common, but I make drinks for you you can't get up to do it, I help out with cooking or sometimes I just make the food myself. Um, I help you up the stairs or I help you on a walk. And then when you're having a nap, I usually like cover you over with a blanket and make sure you're warm.
0: Yeah. They're all really important things, aren't they? Yeah. Thank you.
1: They're also caring in the true sense of caring as well, I think.
0: Yeah. They're not things that anybody
1: asks you to do, are they? No. No, they're like sort of love type activities, aren't they?
0: Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> how about you, Graham?
1: Um, well, I suppose I do a whole range of things. <clears throat> um, I guess um, I do uh, quite a bit of housework, a lot of the cooking.
0: So, how about you, Graham, in terms of the sorts of things that you do?
1: Um, I suppose I quite do quite a lot of the, the housework, um, uh, washing, um, dishwashing. Um, cooking and cleaning Uh, but also uh, just physical care for you so again I've done things like hair washing and washing you bathing you helping to shower you get me um, out of the bath get you out of the bath um increasingly difficult um and um all sorts of general sort of helping you around type activities really even silly little things like helping you strap your Nordic walking poles on helping with your sort of splint that you Sometimes you use it when we are walking. Um, and also um, pushing you around in a wheelchair at certain times. We've been to events where you just couldn't cope with walking big distances and we've had to use a wheelchair. Um, we've had to get you onto aeroplanes using um, the sort of special access routes, um, all, all these sort of things really. Yeah, just
0: things that take extra
1: thinking. Yeah. Extra thinking and extra planning. Yeah. And just doing.
0: So it's like, it's almost the forgotten stuff that you do. It's the extra stuff, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I, d- I don't perceive it, though, <clears throat> as uh, caring activities, just how we live our lives. Yeah, and
0: it's not the first experience that you've had of um, sort of caring for someone within the family either, is it?
1: No, I've um, I've got um, an older son, um, who's, well, he's a man now. Um, and he's autistic and has special educational needs and uh, looking after him is both a delight but also quite taxing and challenging certainly when we're out and about um, because we're not the sort of people who don't go out and do things just because we have issues and difficulties with people so he, he has embarrassed us hugely by the sort of things he's said to people in public um, so he has a tendency to notice differences in people. And when we walking on the high street, as an example, he saw this lady with blue hair and I could tell he'd seen her and she was walking towards us and I knew what was going to happen. And we got to about three feet away from her. Obviously, this is before lockdown and social distancing. We got to about three feet away and he suddenly just flung his arm in the air, pointed at her about an inch from the nose and said, hey, nice blue hair, oh. which, which is, is funny and um interesting to deal with and embarrassing I suppose the point i'm trying to make in a very long-winded way is it doesn't embarrass us anymore because this has happened so often we're just used to it it just becomes an interesting dinner party story rather than an actual challenging act so i'm used to being out out in in public and dealing with these sort of issues so when bronze struggling or has a problem or falls down or whatever we just pick ourselves up and Carry on and get on with it. I just pay no attention to people looking at us or staring or commenting or making making comments. It's just water a ducks back.
0: Yeah, and that time in Manchester when I, yeah, when I went for a
1: fall. Yeah, we were on our way to um, check into our hotel, brandon range, a trip to a concert for us both uh, for my birthday, and we were just waiting at the side of the road for the lights to change, and she just collapsed and her legs went from under and she just fell right into the road, narrowly missing a car. Um, And again, it could have been a fatal incident, um, but we just picked ourselves up and I picked her up off the road, waited a little bit till she felt strong enough to be able to walk again and helped her and walked to the hotel. And it's just another issue that we dealt with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember it well. Mariella, have there been any embar- embarrassing times for you? Do you want to tell us about them?
2: Um, when we went camping in the summer, um, it was a bit rainy. And from out of the camper van, we had a step, which Daddy and I don't need to use, but Mama uses it because she can't reach all the way down. And that was wet because it was metal, so it was slippery and she put one foot on it, and it was probably her left foot, her weakest foot first, and just slipped right over. And she got a massive cut on her back, um, which led to a big bruise, and she probably cracked her rib, but we don't know because we didn't go to the hospital. um, And we had to clean that off, and that was one of them. Uh, we've also had, when I was, I think, eight, We'd just been shopping in the co-op and we'd come out and we had a nice fresh box of eggs that we were going to make a cake with. And then and we I'm, say we, but you mean yourself, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> um and I was walking in front and all of a sudden I look back and she's gone. And then I turn around, look all the way round. And she's lying on the floor and everyone's gathered around her and the eggs are all over the floor cracked. And she's almost gone into the road. And it was like terrifying. I was scared. I started crying and I was just running up to her and everyone was just gathered around going, oh, are you OK? And then they just all had to go away eventually. And we all just got up and left. But it was very traumatising and scary. And I'm glad that I haven't seen anything as bad since. And I'm hoping that I don't. Yeah, it must have been really embarrassing for you and worrying. Mm.
1: And can I just say as well, if I'd seen the incident happen with the falling down the steps, I think I'd have insisted that you go to the hospital. I wasn't there on on that occasion. But I think we do have a tendency in our family to just like, just stuff and nonsense, get up, pull yourself together and crack on and get on with it. So embarrassing
0: things aside, if you look at going forward and in the future, how much of your feeling comfortable about this, how much will come down to your own mindset and attitude versus how much could be gained from training and support? So let's just think about kind of going forward, is it your attitude to it and your mindset that's going to help you moving forward? Or is it going to be down to some training and some support going
2: forward? Mariella? Um, well, obviously, if you have very closed mindset, like, oh, I can't do it. I can't improve from this you're not going to get very far in any aspect of life saying, I can't do this. What's four plus four when you're learning? You're not going to be able to do it because you're just going to give up. If you're saying, I can do this, I just need some help. There's always someone that can help you and you could always look for that. But then having an open mindset just lets you be free and you can learn. And it's like, If you're able to do it and you're not going to be seriously injured or die from it, do it, because you'll regret it in the future. Just, you'll look back when you're older. Is this a message to people with MS, do you think? Yeah, and carers too, because carers just need to take that risk and sometimes get some help and don't say, I can't do this. So, like, in the future when you're old... And you won't be able to do it because when you're younger, you're more free and your body's got better potential. Like, climb that tree, go bungee jumping, go skydiving, because you'll regret it in the future. You'll look back and say, I could have done that. This just, my life has got a small amount more boring because I did not do that.
0: No regrets. That's a no good. Regrets. That applies, I think. To if you're looking after somebody with MS, but also for people with MS, while well, you can do it,
2: live lives to the fullest.
0: Yeah, no regrets. That's so true, Mariella. So Graham, I thought when I again I've been reading um, in in preparation for doing these discussions, and one of the articles I've read talks about the difficulty of living with a life of uncertainty because of MS and not knowing and not being able to plan. And that's one of the big causes of depression and anxiety amongst the caring or helping community. And I'm just interested to hear how you handle that side of things.
1: Um, Well, I suppose we don't tend to worry about the distant future. I think we tend to live more in the present and try and enjoy each day. Obviously, we plan for things like holidays that are a bit further out and we make sure we're financially secure um, and so we don't have to worry about things that may happen in the future financially. Um, But in terms of day-to-day living, I I tend not to think about what's going to happen in the future. Obviously, for things like Mariella's schooling and education and whatever, we make sure that's planned for and we do do what we need to do for her. But in terms of our day-to-day lives, I think it's just about being flexible because you might want to do something in two or three days time and that that day comes around and you don't feel up to it or up to going to it and you just do it a different day it's just about being flexible um I can imagine if somebody is permanently disabled and doesn't have this sort of variable nature of the, the condition that you have it makes it more difficult um but I think Talking to other people in a similar situation so that you don't feel like you're totally alone probably would be very helpful. Um, I've never felt the need to do that, but I know that if it got to a stage where you were a lot worse physically and mentally, I would need to do that uh, for my own sanity, really. Um, I'd I'd need uh, that extra stimulation from outside sources um, and I would go and seek that out. Yeah, I
0: think particularly you touched on the cognitive side of life and I have got a little bit of cognitive um, problems and they come and go and word finding is one of those and it makes itself very apparent at times when you're trying to interview on a podcast but the I think the cognitive issues that people with MS can encounter actually have been found to be one of the biggest predictors of just how difficult a caregiver is going to find their role to support and look after somebody who's got those cognitive problems
1: yeah i can i can totally imagine that would happen um i was thinking about this the other day and i was, I was thinking it must be very similar to the sort of depression that a lot of new mums feel um, when they have to care for a baby that they get really not lot from uh, they're having to care for it physically 24 by 7, and it can't talk to them. There's no adult conversation. So there's effectively zero cognitive feedback loop there. Um, and yes, it's lovely having a baby, and it learns and adapts, etc. And you know you're not going to get that necessarily with someone with MS who's in a bit of a sort of downward trajectory. But I think the feelings must be very, very similar of isolation and depression. So I think, again, like I was saying earlier, it must be very important for people to seek out others, not just to get into a negative feedback loop and do a sort of woe is me type thing. Oh, I'm in the same situation. I think that's not entirely helpful. Um, It's probably helpful to know that you're not alone with this and there are other people who are going through it as well. But I think you need additional types of support to help you look for the positives that you can still have in your life. Because... Um, you're still perfectly capable of conversing, learning new things, having new experiences, and you need to be able to focus that you have some time that you can do that. And I think we're lucky as well in this generation that we've got technology that enables us to do that remotely. I mean, I'm a very social person and I like talking. It's probably very apparent. Um, But also that needn't be face-to-face talking, that can be via text or via Facebook or other sort of social media things. So I think it's important to build that set of relationships where you still feel that you can have a life, even though you're in a caring role pretty much
0: 24-7. Yeah, just so that it's something that you've got for you. Yeah,
1: it's yours. Yeah. It's yours, and you don't feel that you're entirely defined by being that person's carer.
0: Hmm. and Mariella looking forward and thinking about um well obviously me and you know you're going to go to uni you're going to have a job a family of your own whatever you might have but how do you feel about the future living with me
2: um well obviously I want to have my own life but I will always want you in my life and for you to have me in your life. So I will always be there. Obviously, if I'm far away, I might not always be able to come to your needs very quickly. But if I'm very close by, I'll obviously, come over. Or if I'm staying here, I will help you. Um, How does it make you feel? Well... Obviously, a bit anxious. Uh, as you grow older, obviously you're gonna get more health conditions because you're you are deteriorating, and obviously, daddy's going to do that too, but probably a bit quicker because he's older, so he won't be able to care for you very long. So, and I'm your only child. So
1: how very There's dare a- you, man! I'm going to be young and vibrant forever.
2: Dream on. Um, <laughs> We're having to
0: prize them apart now for the for the the purposes of the podcast.
1: podcast.
2: Um, But there's always that thought in the back of your head: if I'm home alone and you haven't come back around time you said, it's been about an hour. What's happened? Has anything gone wrong? Do I need to call someone? Um, and as I grow older, there are there is the chance that I could get MS because granddad has it and so do you. So obviously there's been the short line of that could I be the next? So obviously that's in the
0: back of your mind. It does that?
2: sometimes happen. And obviously when normal things happen, even if it's not even to do with even if it happens with MS, but anyone can have it like my leg locks into place, or maybe that there, there's a day where I can't run as quickly as usual. I'm always like, is that a bad sign? Is am I starting to get the symptoms? Do I need to be scared? But then I just remember it happens to everyone that and you have to have quite a few to actually have MS. And even if you don't have a few, usually if you just have one, it will be very severe. So I just have to look out for that in the future. But it's only small in the back of my mind. And I don't think it will prevent me from doing the stuff that I want to do in the future. No,
0: I hope not. we just live in the days, aren't we? Just carrying on and doing what you want to do every day.
1: I think probably one important thing to say at this point, though, is... Um... We've, we've never intimated even that it's Mariella's responsibility uh, or job or role in life to um, be a carer for a mum. Mm. And I think it's really important to emphasise that with your children. Um, you're not born to you're be not a born carer. to be your parents' carer. You That's life, not what you, life is about. Choice to be born. Exactly. So it's great um, while you're living with us that you can do things. But... Uh, that is not your destiny in life, and nor should you think it is.
0: Yeah. It's just making me think about, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate we're a family unit. Not everybody's got that complete yes. unit, and I think things can be very different. <clears throat> yes. Um, for the children yes. in that situation as well. But it's about trying to get professional help.
1: Yes. If that's
0: much. something that's needed. Um, but young carers that are doing everything exist
1: Yes, they do. And I think
0: it's incredibly hard to deal with that if that's the situation that you're in.
1: Yes.
2: And if you are the person with MS, don't feel guilty. It's not your fault either. Like, you never knew this would happen to you. Yeah. So maybe it happened after you had children. Or why wouldn't you want to have children? There are a lot of people on this planet that want children. So please don't force it on them and just don't feel guilty to yourself either.
1: Yeah, I think that point Bron made about um, getting getting help, I mean, that must be very difficult in some situations where there isn't a full family unit um, or where the adult other adults got to go out to work to bring the money in to look after everybody else. Um, so a lot of it will fall to the children. Um, but I think it is important as well that that, that doesn't become the emphasis of their life going forward and they need to be able to think that they will not be doing that for the rest of their lives. Um, And that's where the support needs to come in. So the, the young carers need that network as well so that they know they're not alone.
0: Absolutely. So what words of wisdom and advice Have you got for other people in similar... I know we've covered a lot of this, but let's just try and condense it. Mariella.
2: Um, Live life to the fullest while you can. You could die tomorrow. So today, have a shower, brush your teeth. Just try to do life as well as you can do a bit of yoga if you can meditate maybe do a workout if you're able to just try and spend time with family in COVID so maybe if you can FaceTime or zoom or go on a social distance meetup. Um and also make sure that you are trained in first aid if you are a carer because obviously in professional carers that's kind of obvious that's part of the job but if you are the child that's probably over the age of 10 or if you are an adult too that is a carer but obviously not as a job, please do get first aid because if you something bad happens, you need to know how to deal with it. So just make sure that you're prepared for anything. Do you think that's something that
0: all, particularly people that are younger at your age and a little bit younger... Is that something that should be offered do you think for everybody in this type of situation so that they get the first aid training?
2: Yeah obviously at school they usually do have it and they do come into most schools but if you don't maybe talk about it with someone at your school or there are a lot of online courses that even if you don't get a certificate you can still learn so just try to search for some really good courses that
1: you could do yeah i think that's a really good point and i think probably also um, doing some of these courses might take some of the fear away so that you maybe feel a little bit more able to cope with the unexpected
0: yeah that's a really really good point mariella thank Thanks. you and how about you graham what's your sort of work big words of wisdom the
1: main point i i think you, you know you have to live every day to the max and and when the times are good you do things um, because there's no point in delaying things till tomorrow because you don't know how you're going to feel tomorrow so make the best of every opportunity that you've got to do things and and be well um because you don't know how long any well none of us know how long we've got um we talked we talked before about our mindset of you know don't, don't be totally weighed down by ms i know that's very difficult sometimes to think but we've we've Um, known able-bodied friends who are sadly no longer with us um, because they were in accidents or they got ill and died very rapidly Um, none of us know how long we've got so it's not just an ms thing you just need to make sure that you live every day to the max and get the best out of it
0: Mm. here here so we're coming to the end and there are two questions that i always ask everybody that comes on to the MS show so that means we've got four questions or we've got four answers coming our way and the questions are if you could be anywhere in the world ignore Covid where would you be and what would you be drinking
2: so Mariella um I would be in Switzerland and um, I would be in the snow obviously if there isn't any I will make sure there's snowing I'll pray for it and make sure it does happen because you love the snow yes i do love the snow i love winter i love the cold i'm basically (laughs) cold-blooded i hardly ever get cold um just sitting out in the snow and having the best hot chocolate in the world with the best swiss chocolate out there with a massive pile of whipped cream and marshmallows and sprinkles and maybe even a cherry and a flake.
0: yum that sounds gorgeous Thank you. Graham, how about you?
1: Well, I was going to say Switzerland or France because this time of year I quite like to go skiing and because of the lockdown I've not been able to go skiing last year or this year and who knows when I'll be able to go again. So I'm going to pick a different country. One of our big things that we like doing as a family is travelling. So I'd like to be somewhere that none of us have ever been before um, but we've talked about going at some point so I'd like to be in Japan, um, either in Tokyo, seeing all of that very alien to us bustle um, and completely different lifestyle, or out in the countryside with a stunning volcano or mountain views, sipping a little glass of sake.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, you two, for taking part in today's episode. And that's it for today. I'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's MS Show. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And if you'd like to get more involved with the MS Show, why not join our Facebook community? Just search Facebook for The MS Show. Come back soon for another dose of MS information and inspiration. You've been listening to the MS Show podcast.